Today on Home Care Heroes, we explore what we could learn from the rich life of Queen Elizabeth. When someone who's 96 years old has a life treated with dignity and respect and has physical fitness, amazing things can happen. Our fantastic guest is Jennifer Brine. Enjoy. Welcome to the Home Care Heroes podcast, featuring trending topics and practical wisdom for success in home care. Here's your host, Ken Accardi. Well, hi, and welcome to a very special episode of the Home Care Heroes podcast. My guest today is Jennifer Bryan. I'm going to introduce her a little bit in a minute, but we've decided for this podcast, we're going to call it What Home Care Owners Can Learn from Queen Elizabeth's Life. And this is timely, of course, actually, the the podcast will be coming out in the month of October 2022, and if you're listening to it in the future, but it's, you know, pretty much right after uh, the passing of Queen Elizabeth. And so I think it's timely from that matter. But let me tell you a little bit more about our guest. Her name is Jennifer Brine, and Jennifer is a mechanical engineer. We don't get a lot of mechanical engineers on the Home Care Hero podcast, but she's a ME, mechanical engineer turned entrepreneur. And she focuses on helping adults 50 and over change how they age by changing how they move. And what you're going to find in our discussion with Jennifer is that we're not just going to talk about movement and getting our the folks we take care of in home care and adult daycare moving more and things like that, although we will cover that. We're just going to really talk a lot about different ways of looking at the folks who we serve. And I think you're really going to enjoy this. So without further ado, let me say, Jennifer Bryan, welcome to the Home Care Heroes podcast, and thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here, and I can't wait to chat with all of you about these exciting topics. All right, fantastic. So we gave a little introduction of you, but do you want to share any other things about your story or your background that that might help us to get to know you just a little bit better before we dive in? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. My name is Jen. I was adopted from Bogota, Colombia, and I grew up in Sanford, Maine, which is southern Maine. My grandmother was actually one of the first people that I met when I once I was adopted and her and I and my grandfather quickly became best friends. Uh, I think that's an important piece of how I've gotten where I am today, because as they started to enter the more advanced stages of aging, I became their caregiver. And that's where I learned, I'm sure, like many of you, that the journey to advanced age can be really lonely really heartbreaking and really difficult. And in my experience, we didn't have access to high quality care. I saw a lot of ageism in real life in play that was really frustrating. And it made me realize that all the skills that I had now could be used somewhere else. So at that time, I was working as an engineer and I was specializing in wearable technology. And I realized my focus would be better in the aging space and figuring out how to manage these gaps. Um, so I became trained in pain science and movement reactivation. And now I utilize my whole background and my skill set to run a new fit, deliver high quality care, and have these fun conversations with people like you. <laughs> well, thanks so much for all of that. So, one thing I noticed right away is that you use some terminology, which I think is very different a little bit and also refreshing when we're referring to folks. So you said you help adults 50 and over and you didn't say, I, you know, I like, I mean, you're a young person for those of you who aren't seeing Jennifer on the podcast. I'm guessing that, that Jennifer's in her upper twenties. I might be wrong, but just looking there, I think I'm hopefully in the ballpark. And um, 
So, you know, she said, I help adults 50 and over. You didn't say I help elderly people and things like that. So I thought an interesting thing to start with uh, on the podcast today would be, you know, what's your view of aging? I mean, could you help us, you know, like, you know, just could you clarify like a picture of aging for us? Absolutely. And thank you for your generosity with my age. I'm actually um, in my mid thirties, but that's very kind of you. (laughs) So I think my view in aging actually is something we can look at with Queen Elizabeth's life, because like we talked about at the beginning of this, if we zoom into her life a little bit more, we can look at different principles at play in the aging journey in general. So research has shown time and time again that as we age, it's incredibly important to have purpose. If you look at Queen Elizabeth's life, she was the longest serving monarch in British history. And she had a lot of purpose and a lot of social respect. So when we think about aging, even from a movement perspective, at the very top of it, in my view on it, is that how we talk about aging, the linguistics, the language we use to talk about aging affects the entire journey. A lot of research even shows that it affects the quality of care we're able to give people. So the word elderly is actually a word that I find is beneficial to take out of circulation. Uh, Some people will say it's ageist. It does come with a lot of stereotypes attached to it. Because I want you to take a minute and think, when you hear the word elderly, the top two terms that you think of. I'll give you a minute, elderly, top two things that come to mind. Those Mm -hmm. things generally are not positive things. They might be, but more often than not, they're not positive. And that's because that term implies a couple different things. One is that our aging population is not homogeneous, meaning they're not all the same. You guys know this more than anyone, guys and gals. If you have a 74-year-old client, they can vary from being super able-bodied professional skiers to having a lot of trouble with their activities of daily living. So the word elderly doesn't really do justice to the span of that population. On top of that, when you look at research, people who are older don't enjoy being called elderly. They might refer to others as elderly. They don't want themselves to be called elderly. So the terms that are really helpful in implying robustness, independence, and sort of pride with our age are older adults, older people, But the key designation and wording that my understanding right now is what's enjoyed is referring to them as 50 plus, 60 plus, 70 plus, 100 plus adults. And that type of designation can actually categorize the entire demographic that we're talking about in a way that serves them better with less stereotypes. Fantastic. All right. And I kind of went on a little side trip there. And I really do appreciate that you clarified that. But, you know, when you started answering the question, I mean, we really talked about how this relates to Queen Elizabeth and how she had purpose and respect from society in her very long life. So, yeah, what, what are, you know, some of your observations there and, and some things that we could take away from, from that, which I think we'd all agree with for sure. Absolutely. So um, we just talked about the linguistics. If we can change how we view people, there's more behind them. They're going to be able to do a lot more. The second piece of that is that Queen Elizabeth obviously loved her job. She did it for an extremely long time. She worked up until her passing. As most of you know, and I'm sure you saw the photos of her on that Tuesday appointing the prime minister, she was beaming with joy. And that was two days before she passed. That is a really good way to describe the next topic I want to visit, which is health span versus lifespan. 
Or my mentor likes to say, are you surviving or are you thriving? So when we think about health span and lifespan, Queen Elizabeth's health span and lifespan matched very well. And that iconic photo on Tuesday is representative of that. Going into more detail, lifespan is how long you live. So the average lifespan in the U.S. is 78.79 years old. But what's the health span? How healthy is somebody who lives to be 78? And that's where you see a lot of divergence in this population. There are some people who have a good, strong lifespan that matches their health span. There's others where the health span is really sort of decayed, but they're still alive. And so their quality of life isn't where they want it to be. Um, and that's the difference between surviving and thriving. We have a lot of control over factors in our aging journey so that we can increase our health span to get closer to our lifespan. Again, thinking about Queen Elizabeth, she did have health problems. There was times she couldn't attend the parties and events she wanted to, but her health span was a lot closer to her lifespan than we typically see. Yeah, for sure. I guess there was that very big event in the summer with you know all the you know, the Elton Johns and all the rock stars and everybody um, from around the world. And, you know, and she was not uh, there live and, you know, kind of was there in spirit from the Windsor Castle and all that kind of thing. And I, I think that, um, you know, kind of the world saw her, her end coming and I'm glad they were able to celebrate her. But yeah, I, I do think that if we look at her and, you know, just two days before her death being there and, um, you know, in all her glory, I guess we'll say, and uh, my wife really likes that show called The Crown and those kinds of things, looking at her life at all different times. And it, it really, really is you know, a very special thing. I know my mom who has Alzheimer's, um, she watched the, the full like, you know, kind of uh, story of, of Queen Elizabeth's you know, death and life like many, many different times. And it's I mean, it's it's kind of sad in, in a slightly humorous way. But my my sister who lives with her, you know, was like. Yeah, you know, like um, there's there's more information about Queen Elizabeth dying and things like that. She's like, after having watched a few days of of footage and things like that, it's like, oh my gosh, the Queen died, right? You know, so so that is kind of her her state of of Alzheimer's, which is a side topic, but um, you know, it is really 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 special topic and all that kind of thing. But I think that was really powerful because you did mention that I'm like, okay, lifespan versus health span. What does that mean? And I think that's a really important concept for all of us is that, you know, we might have a client who's, you know, living to be, you know, 90 years old, but they really haven't, you know, they've been either bedridden or, you know, not really moving much, um, you know, since they've been 81. And then we have other people who are, you know, skiing and, uh, and all those types of things. I do, um, you know, I, I'm actually a little surprised to hear that the average lifespan in the U.S. is, you know, 78 and change. I, I had thought of it. I had heard that um, that, you know, on average today that, um, you know, women, uh, well, that men are, um, you know, getting closer, like above 80 and women are getting to more than mid eighties. Is that like, am I just understanding the stats wrong or maybe just different sample size or. No, I think if we just like lump everyone together, they give you the 78.79. But if you do break it apart to women and men and continue to break it apart beyond that, we are starting to live much longer. Um, so I think it's probably the sample size and the location of a stat that's more lumped together. Yeah. You know, but a really interesting thing is that in my lifetime more than yours, but, um, you know, I, well, I guess that I know that or have read, you know, documented in a few different places that the retirement age was set to 65 
at a time when there were probably more men in the workplace than women and that men were living to an average, you know, like somewhere between 70 and 71 and that kind of thing. And, you know, and of course that has changed a lot and it's changed for the better and, uh, and it will continue to. And one graphic that we've used, you know, in a couple different places is a graph of Americans over the age of 80. And I think on that graph today, we're somewhere around 13 to 14 million people over age 80. And um, in the next 25 years, it's going to more like more like triple. So um, so we do have the big baby boomer generation and we have you know people living a lot longer lives and uh, and those sorts of things. OK, but, you know, one thing like, you know, we talk about you and your story and, you know, and a new fit, your company and helping adults over you know, 15 over change how they age by changing how they move and all that kind of thing. So I, I sometimes do think, and, you know, this thought popped in my mind a little bit when you said, what are a few thoughts that come to mind when you say elderly, you know, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, sort of feeble, right. You know, is, is something that goes with elderly and that's not that positive. And I would imagine that in um, home care, you know, when somebody is generally getting home care or they're coming to a day center, it's to some degree because they can't handle all their activities of daily living on their own. So they're just not really in a position to grocery shop and cook. And, you know, maybe they can't <clears throat> maintain their hygiene the way that they, they did. So I, I think that there, there might be a thought on the part of our home care folks. It's like, you know, Hey, we want to, you know, be more protective um, and, you know, maybe less in engaging their bodies. And, you know, really, I mean, you know, I'm never, I mean, first of all, I'm five foot eight, but I'm never going to play in the NBA and never was going to play in the NBA <clears throat> and that kind of thing. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to be, you know, still be able in my fifties to, you know, go shoot baskets with the boys and, uh, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so let's talk about movement and what are some thoughts you have for, you know, folks who are providing home care and adult daycare and those types of services on how they can, you know, really embrace movement and things like that. Sure, absolutely. Um, and I think that's a great topic. So I'm going to dig us in a little bit deep and then try to get us back out. But when we think about movement in the classic way, it's not going to be the driving factor to bridging the gap between health span and lifespan. So the type of movement that we're talking about here encompasses a biopsychosocial model, which means that we look at the biology the psychology and the sociology of the person. So it's a much more holistic approach to quote unquote movement. Um, there's these classic things in there like sleep um, and loneliness, but it's much, much deeper than that. So when you're working with somebody who needs potentially more help with their activities of daily living, Perhaps they're not as motivated. There's cognitive decline, late stage disease. It's really about meeting that person where they're at. So all of us at some point in our life have had hobbies. Some of us have had families or friends that we've made in our families. We have a history behind us. So if you can dig into what drives this person or what used to drive them, what they enjoy to do, and what's really a key item that's missing from their life today, that can help you look at how to bridge this gap in a way of movement, because movement comes in many different shapes and sizes. The ideal, of course, is that you work with someone trained in pain science or has more of a holistic approach with evidence behind it. 
and they can help the person reach those goals. But that's not realistic for everybody, of course. So it's really looking at an example of giving them autonomy of choice as opposed to giving them one choice of a meal, give them two because that builds self-confidence. We all learned how to zip up our clothes when we were at a younger age. And for a while, that was really fun to do. And then it just became very tedious. But no one wants to sit there and have someone zip their coat for them. So can we take a little extra time to help that person feel robust in ways that are really, really easy for us to do? They just take a little more. You can buy these um, zipper things or you can make them out of string and it just makes the zipper easier when you lose the dexterity in your fingers. So that's going to give somebody that confidence and that pride back. And that relates to how we work with people on movement. We meet them where they're at. We look at their goals. We understand their story. And then we package together a trainable menu or movements that really help that person reach the next level. So if they can only do movements in the chair. Then we find movements in the chair that are at the level that's hard. They're not too sore the next day. They enjoy them and we make them really fun and we just keep building on that. Some people in this demographic I know don't like to move. It wasn't built into the fabric of their lives when they grew up. And that's where you have to get really creative and have a lot of fun and really find what drives this person. Um, some people, right, in their house a long time before the home care was there, they were really good at drying the dishes and they might have really cool memories of their spouse doing dishes together. I know that sounds mundane, but when you take that away and it becomes a memory, it actually can also become a driver. So can the two of you do some of these daily activities together in a safe, fun way to get the person moving and engaged again? Yeah, fantastic. And I guess there's a concept that we talked about in our pre-briefing about you know really trying to um, you know, kind of increase somebody's capacity. And I guess like, you know, you, you talked about how you're really looking at what they might enjoy, what they're capable of, and, you know, the three factors and, you know, kind of the psychosocial factors and various things like that, that folks might not be thinking of, but do you, do you kind of have this idea of like, you know, Hey, let me, let me try to see if their capacity could at least match their physical ability and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. You've hit it. So we all have a capacity in our body today, right now, whether we know what that is or not relates to the education that we've been given, which society has not given us the education to understand this, but we all have a capacity in our bodies. And when you're younger, sometimes the demand way exceeds your capacity. So my capacity right now is a certain thing. If I were to go out and run 20 miles with barefoot shoes, that would be way over the capacity I have in my body today. Maybe I can recover it from, from it quickly. Maybe I won't get any injuries, but when your capacity is really different than your demand, the things you're placing on your body, that's where we see injury. So you're right. The goal is to see where our capacity is today and find those little movements that feel good to slowly increase it to meet the demands that we want to have. So a lot of people think when they're older, well, I can't get back there. You can. It's a bigger journey, but it's about understanding your capacity today and where you want to go and figuring out how to make that bridge there through movement that's safe and comfortable. And one thing to add to that that I think is a big myth is or two things, I guess, is that load is necessary for your body like water is. So that means weights on your body are really necessary 
for helping to regenerate your body and create adaptations, but you have to do it in a safe way where that demand doesn't far exceed the capacity. Same thing about quick fixes. A lot of people think, well, I can do this red light therapy or I can do this thing. And unfortunately, those don't always work. If they make you feel better, for sure, do them. But there's more pieces to the puzzle to increase that capacity. And it's really in how you move. So getting people moving again in a fun way is really helpful. And recognizing their feet are the first point of contact on the ground. So if their feet don't work the way they want them to, you can still use the feet. You can play games with the feet. You can pick up marbles with the feet. You can put some books on their um, lap and they can do calf raises. And that's going to add a little bit of load that's harder than without. And so that might be your starting point. But pretty quickly, you can make progress with people who haven't moved in quite a while. Yeah, no, that's really, really powerful. And I really appreciate it. Okay, well, listen, I mean, um, time flies when we're having fun on the Home Care Heroes podcast. I think we're going to move a little bit into wind down mode here, but you know, we've covered a lot of things. And I, I like the fact that we put it in the context of Queen Elizabeth and we looked at you know, how she had purpose that drove her. She had a lot of respect from society and we could say, okay, well, how does that affect us? I mean, you know, let's, let's try not to forget the person's purpose and let's try to weave that into activities you know, and let's respect them and, and, and those types of things. Then I love the whole lifespan versus health span and looking at, um, you know, hey, we want to we want to really try to have the healthy life be as close to the, you know, to the actual um, number of years that the person lives as possible. And, you know, then finally, I mean, looking at that whole um, capacity and, you know, question of movement and, and, you know, kind of having that be a part of our lives. And you gave some really, really interesting, you know, ranges from, I, I doubt there's many listeners in this, to this podcast who could run 30 miles with no shoes on at all let alone, you know, need a couple extra days to recover from it. And then we also talked about, um, you know, somebody who maybe really enjoyed folding the towels or drying the dishes and, you know, and might have some more dignity in their life if you make it a little bit easier to, to zip their own coat. And I, so I think those are really, really powerful examples. So, um, so thank you for that. I'm going to give you the last word, but as we go into the wind down, you know, something that strikes me here is that like, if we look at who's on the Home Care Heroes podcast, it's usually agency owners or consultants to the space and things like that. So if we have, you know, Steve, the hurricane, we have Greg Mazza, it's like, oh, they're going to help me with growing my agency or something like that. Or if they, you know, we have uh, Jason Shagnon, it's like, oh, they're going to help me with my social media and my website and, and things like that. But, you know, here we have this person who really focuses on, you know, movement and, uh, and all these things that you've covered. And I, I guess I'm kind of curious, like, I mean, is there, could you envision some services that um, that you know you might be able to to help you know any of these like let's think of a home care agency or an adult day center that would be in the wheelhouse of what your business does and with that um, you know how might some of those folks be in contact you with you if they'd like to absolutely and I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, to sum it all up, you can definitely reach out to us by email at jen at a new or info at a new where spelled A is an apple, N is a Nancy, E is an eel, U is an unicorn, F is in Frank, I is an indigo, and T is in tom.com. The types of services that we offer is an interesting question. We offer personal and group training services. We can come in and do a program with your adult daycare center or through your home care agency that's in the home or virtual, 
or in a space that we decide to choose. Um, but the other cool thing that we offer is that we can help you understand this clinical framework. So if you have a group of people on your team that you think would be best at deploying this and it's the most sustainable option for your company, you can hire us and we can work with you for a period of time to sort of mentor you in this clinical framework for movement reactivation, help you understand real world examples get your feet wet shadowing things and really feel like you can deliver this as your team as well. Perfect. I love all of those things. Yeah. And we've had uh, several people. One comes to mind, a guy named Cameron Nasser has been on the podcast and he talked about how he made his agency different. And he told a story about how he offered an art therapy program to some of his, you know, affluent clients in the, in the Bay area. And that, you know, by, having somebody come in and do art with them, you know, really just kind of was, was life-changing. It was also a differentiation for, for their agency. I know a lot of you are trying to say, well, how do we make ourselves different and better? And I think um, maybe working with Miss Jennifer Bryan might be a, a very good way of doing that. So let me just kind of recap that the company is called A New Fit, but new is not spelled N-E-W, it's spelled N-E-U because that's super cool. So it's A-N-E-U fit, F-I-T.com. And that would be how you would find out and learn more about Jen. And of course, we'll put this in the program notes. But since a lot of you are listening on your podcast player in your car, you probably aren't looking at the program notes. So just one more time, a new fit, A-N-E-U-F-I-T.com. And with that, I will um, thank you for being on the Home Care Heroes podcast and give you the last word, anything else you want to share. And uh, thanks for being here. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be part of this community and like all of you, be helping our aging population. So I really appreciate being here. I appreciate your listening and I hope to connect with some awesome people. I love it. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the Home Care Heroes podcast. Home Care Heroes is produced by Ancoda, the software for the heroes of home care. You can listen to back episodes by visiting fourhomecareheroes.com. That's the number four, then the words homecareheroes.com.